back in the 90s, I was a country music fan, right? Probably because of peer pressure. I, I graduated high school in a little town in Kansas, 30 miles east of Wichita, called Leon, Kansas. None of you have ever heard of Leon, I'm sure. Except for, you guys know Aaron, who comes to church here sometimes, long hair? Aaron went to high school in Leon, Kansas. <laughs> Freaky, isn't it? We had to come to Oil City to meet. <laughs> so uh, he, he's older than I am, so he went before I did. So, uh, yeah, Aaron and I were talking one day, and I was like, wow, that just blows me away. I mean, we started talking about streets and everything, so I knew he, I knew he just wasn't blowing smoke, and he knew I wasn't either, you know, because we're talking about stuff, landmarks in the area that both of us know. It's so weird. But, uh, but anyhow, back in the 90s, I was a country music fan, and it's because of where I lived, you know. I, 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 you're probably, some of you are going to think this is cool. Um, I don't really think it's that cool. Um, I actually went to my, initially when I went to college, I went to Fort Hayes State University on a mostly academic, partially athletic scholarship for bull riding. Wow. And, and peer pressure, this, is, this isn't really my, this isn't really my sermon, but peer pressure will make you do ridiculous stuff. And if you like bull riding and want to bull ride, awesome, right? But I didn't, man. I just wanted to fit in. You know, and so, I mean, this is the kind of school I went to, you know, I just wanted to fit in. I ended up competing in an NCAA division two school in bull riding. And we competed against division one schools because bull rodeo in college falls under the national intercollegiate rodeo association. So you compete against all different schools. I'm like, I don't even like it. But anyways, that's a sidebar. But because of that culture that I was in, I was really, you know, I got into country music. Now, I'm realistically, Jeff Brown trips my trigger with music. Classic rock. I mean, Jeff just has a perfect classic rocker voice, doesn't he? Uh, you listen to him, and my wife, and we always remark about when we can hear Jeff sing. We're like, it's so awesome. But anyways, um, so Jeff, you, you, are, you encourage us with your gift. But um, I'm more of a classic rock guy. But, you know, but for a while, country music was my thing. Now, I remember a song. I don't remember exactly what year that it came out, but it was a song by an artist. Uh, his name is Tracy Lawrence. And the song was called Time Marches On. You might remember this song. Part of the lyrics said this. The south moves north, and the north moves south. A star is born, and a star burns out. The only thing that stays the same is everything changes. Everything changes. How many of you feel like the lyrics to this song are kind of right on the button? Everything changes. Show me your hands. How many of you think that everything changes? I mean, it's crazy, isn't it, how much change is going on? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Refineries in our, in our city that were here in the 90s, closed down and moved south. Change. It left a lot of people bewildered and scratching their head, going, what in the world's going on? What's with all this change? Joy. Losing contracts to Caterpillar. And joy is struggling and laying people off, and there's these changes that are just coming at us and bombarding us. 
You know, these are kind of changes that we as a community think are bad changes. When we see our, our jobs are harder to get and we, we begin to struggle and we begin to say, God, what are you doing? What's going on here? But not all changes are bad. Some changes are good, right? I mean, Venango Woods and Oil City Community Alliance Church, two churches became one church. And there is no Venango Woods. There's only OCCA. There's only God's family. That's a good change, isn't it? People loving one another and saying, hey, we're here to walk along this faith journey with each other. That's a good change. Amen? All right. Other good changes. I hope it's a good change. Some of you might still be wondering. I become your pastor. You know? It's good for me. I don't know if it's good for you yet. But it's good for me, you know. I mean, here you are a year without a pastor because Pastor Terry retired and, and all these issues. So, but, you know, here's another good change, we hope. Now, maybe three years from now, you're going, no, that was, no, you move south too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Quaker State needs you. Let's just, let's talk about Quaker. Quaker State, we should have made them change their name when they moved to Texas, I think. You know, they're not in the Quaker State anymore. No, anyhow, I, I digress. I digress. So... So the fact that everything changes isn't always bad. But you know, even with good changes, it can be scary. I mean, here I am, I'm your pastor, right? I mean, like, I get up front time every week, and nobody really knows me, and they have no idea what I'm going to say. And sometimes it's like, "Ah, is he going to do something crazy? Right? Or when Venango Wood, great change, when Venango Wood came in and they were facing all this insurmountable debt with just such a small group of people and it was scary to go through that. Right? So even with good changes, it's scary. We hear change talked about all the time in the media. There's a lot of uh, formal research studies by guys with bigger brains than any of us in here that do this stuff, and they've, they've come to the conclusion that the rate of change in today's world is higher than at any other time in history. And common sense says we didn't need a scientific research study to figure that out. We can just see it. It nearly takes your breath away sometimes with all the change, doesn't it? I mean, I was highly trained in the Army. I was, I was one of the best satellite com- communications technicians in the Army. Top of my game. I've been out of the Army now for a little over 10 years. And if you tried to put me working satellite communications, I would be lost as a goose in a snowstorm. The, it's changed that much in 10 years. It's nothing like anything. I know I talk to guys who are still in it. One of the guys that I mentor is a, a warrant officer with the military, in heavily a communications signal warrant officer. Great guy, great friend of mine, and I'm mentoring. And he talks about communication stuff, and I am like, just, dude, I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, the technology's just blown past me. I've only been out of it for a decade. Change is crazy. I mean, there was a day when we could get under a, a shade tree in our yard and work on our car. Now we get under a shade tree and we pop the hood and we look at it and go, oh no, let's take it to the shop. It doesn't look like anything I've ever seen under the hood of a car. 
I mean, I've, I've popped open cars, and I'm like, it looks like solid metal across the top. And I'm like, what in the world is this? doesn't look like anything I'm used to, right? Change is, is crazy, the amount of change. And it's scary sometimes. The reality is this, though. Tracy Lawrence is wrong. He's wrong. Not everything changes. Not everything changes, church. One thing remains. One thing remains. In the midst of all of this scary change, constant in the trials and the change, one thing remains. One. But what is that one thing? What is that one thing? Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Looking at verse 10 through 12 to see what that one thing that, cha- that never changes is. As you're turning there, I'm going to just tell you I'm reading from the English Standard Version. You may be reading from something like the NIV or the King James or the New King James. That's okay. They're all just translations. Yours might be a little different than mine. Translators picked a different word. It's okay. We're all dealing with translations here. But here's what it says in verse 10 and through 12. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same. And your years will have no end. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today asking that you would speak to your people. Lord, I know that you are in love with every person that can hear my voice right now and with every person who can't. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. You are the one who was and is and is to come. And we praise you and we thank you for who you are. And Lord, we ask you today to speak to us through your word. And help us to understand that one thing that never changes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. I believe that the author of the book of Hebrews knew that change was something that people had to contend with. He or she probably did not understand how rapid that change would be. But God did. And because of that, God ensured via His Holy Spirit that the writer of the book of Hebrews would be inspired to reinforce that God is immutable. The immutability of God in the mind of the reader. You may be asking yourself right now, the immutable, what? The immutable, huh? Right? The New Oxford Dictionary 
defines immutable as the unchanging is unchanging over time or unable to be changed. Unchanging over time or unable to be changed. But you may be asking yourself, is God really immutable? Is God really unchanging? You may be thinking to yourself, Pastor, there's a new covenant. Isn't that a change with God? There's places where it talks about God is bringing His wrath, and then He relents from bringing His, bringing his wrath, and, and He brings grace instead. Isn't that a change with God? The immutability of God is not saying that God never does different things, but that God never changes in His essential character, who He is. The immutability of God is saying that who God is at heart is who God will always be. Hence the reason when we started the series on Hebrews, I gave you an article that said two covenants. Are they really so different? Because the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is the same God and in His essential nature, He never changes. This passage of Scripture talks about the unchanging nature of God. Now, when I first started getting ready to preach through this, I was going to talk about uh, a verse 10 by itself. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the works of your hands. And I was thinking about just going with that and, and talking about how God created everything. And, 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 it's, and it's true. God created everything. Okay, The theory of evolution is wrong. You have to decide... Bible's right or theory of evolution's right. They're not compatible. Now, believe me, understand something. Science and God are compatible. Science and God are totally compatible. The theory of evolution is not real science. Even Charles Darwin himself said that if we didn't find the transitionary uh, fossils in the fossil record, that his theory would be proven to be false. Guess what? We've never found the transitionary fossils where something turned from this into this. Okay? Now, so understand what I, that's macroevolution. Macroevolution, one species changing from this to another species. Microevolution is, is totally compatible. That's like crossbreeding plants. Okay? There's no problem with that. But something changing from this to this, I mean, it doesn't line up with Scripture. Scripture says that each one would have offspring according to its own kind. Anyways, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to go with that. I'm not going to go with that because as I'm reading that, that's not the main point of this passage. The main point of this passage is that the God who created the heavens and the earth never changes. That He's constant, that, he's, that He doesn't drift away from who He is. This is just a starting point. It's saying, Lord, you're the one who created. You did all this. It's the works of your hand. And you did it, but they will fade away. Friends, someday this earth as we know it is going to fade away. The scriptures teach in Revelation, if you haven't read the book of Revelation, you really need to. 
And you don't need to be scared if you're born again. Talks about us overcoming. I read the end of the book. We win. Did you, have you read the end of the book of Revelation? If you have, raise your hand. We win. Amen. Right? We win in the end. But it says he's lowering. It's a new heaven and a new earth. And he's lowering down out of heaven a new Jerusalem. Right? One of these days, this is all going to go away. It's going to be replaced by something that is perfect. It's going to be like a pre-fall earth. No death. No sickness. No suffering. And the scriptures tell us if we cry, God himself wipes away our tears. That's exciting. Amen? Are you excited about this at all? Okay, I just got to be honest with you. Sidebar. I can't believe people don't just dance in the aisles during worship. I seriously, I can't. I cannot believe it. I can't believe we can't get excited about this stuff. Why are we so dead sometimes? Go read the Old Testament. David danced before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and worshiped so hard that his clothes fell off. His wife despised him in her heart and God struck her barren as a result. He said, it is before the Lord that I make merry. People, it is okay for you to get excited about Jesus. Amen? I'm telling you right now, never spin a terrible towel above your head again until you get excited about Jesus first. Some of you are like, we ain't spinning a terrible towel this year anyways. Because <laughs> they are terrible, so there's no towel. <laughs> Sorry. I digress. Something's wrong with me. There's a lot of things wrong with me. Anyway, I've lost my place being an idiot. Verse 11, they will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up and like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same. Now look, there's a sidebar here too that I want to say. Some of us are so doggone busy living for something that fades away and doesn't exist anymore in in short order. God is saying that this stuff that's on the earth is like an old pair of pants that we throw away. They wear out. We're so focused on living for the here and the now that we forget that there is an eternal reward. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will have no end. The author of Hebrews agrees with Tracy Lawrence that everything changes. Well, almost everything. So you may be asking yourself, what difference does this make that God is unchanging? What difference does this make that God is unchanging? Now, it's a great question if that's what you're thinking. If you're not thinking it, can I encourage you to think it? What difference does this make that God is unchanging? I think that we need to ask ourselves these questions about our theology. We need to talk, when we talk about theology, when we talk about God, when we, when we study the Bible, we need to be looking at the scriptures and, and seeing what's coming out of it and going, so what? So what do I do with this? How does this affect me? 
God is, does not waste words. Everything he put in here has a purpose. So we should be asking ourselves, so, so what? What do I do with this? Church, I think that the first thing is this. Because God is unchanging, we can rest assured that he will fulfill his promises to us. Because God is unchanging, we can rest assured that he will fulfill his promises to us. You say, really? Really? That's, that's what we get out of this? Yeah, let me, just, let me just jump ahead in the book of Hebrews a few chapters. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise that the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. Friends, that's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. When God makes a promise, because He's unchanging, and because He doesn't lie, and so therefore He'll never become a liar, He's never lied in the past, so He's not going to lie in the future, and He's not going to lie in the present, in the present, we can say, I can trust what God says. I can trust in His promises. I can trust in His promises. This includes the following promises. This includes the following promises. First, and, and there's more than just these that I'm showing you, okay? But we're just kind of going to get a feel for this. God will meet all of our physical needs. Quaker State packed up and went to Texas. Joy mining machines are, are struggling right now. Our economy in Oil City is not the best in the world. But you as a believer who put your trust in Jesus Christ have a promise from Him that He will meet all of your physical needs. Why, Pastor? Because you say so? No, because God says so. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4.19. Let me tell it to you one more time. And my God will supply every need of yours according to... To his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I don't know if that's about our physical needs though, Pastor. That could be about our spiritual needs. Well, he'll meet those too. But, you know, it says over here in Proverbs 10.3, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Okay, Pastor, but blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Still sounds spiritual to me. Still sounds like I could miss a meal. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Just pause right there. Didn't, isn't that what I've been teaching, like not last sermon, but the two before? The immense value you have to God? how much he passionately loves you, that he is willing to give up his awesome son who was perfect to save you who is far from perfect and to save me who is far from perfect? You're of way more value than a bird. 
You're of way more value than a bird. But the scripture goes on. It goes on. Jesus doesn't stop there. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith! Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. You may be right now looking at the fact that your job is shaky. Or maybe somebody's sitting here today that they haven't told anybody, but they just got told they're losing their job. Or maybe you started a job and, you know, it's only good for a certain amount of time period and then after that it might be gone. My God says He will provide all of your needs. And He is not a liar and He does not change and so you can trust in that. You can say, Lord, the world says I'm going under. But you say I'm not. And I trust you. Because he loves you. But some of you, you aren't struggling with that. Some of you are a little worried. I know there's some people who are a little worried. I talk about hearing from God all the time. And I talk about, I believe that God speaks to me. And I say crazy things. And, and a lot of those crazy things that I've said, I've said to individuals up here during the altar time, and they're like, and it's like, it's true. And you're worried that your past sin might come out and haunt you. Or that somebody might find out about it. Maybe it doesn't come through God speaking to Jerry or speaking to somebody else. By the way, he speaks to all of us. This is one way he does it right here in the Word. He does it via your conscience. If you've ever been convicted of sin, felt conviction over sin, raise your hand. You have heard the voice of God. (laughs) That is one way he talks to us. Amen? All right. So... (laughs) You make me laugh, Mike. <laughs> In a good way. But anyway, um, yeah, I've lost my place again because he made me giggle. <laughs> when I say amen, he says right on, which is cool. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, our sin, our past sins, though, our past sins cannot come back to haunt us. Our past sins cannot come back to haunt us. If you're thinking that that God is going to pull out your old sin life and whip you with it right at the pinnacle of everything and you're getting so close to Jesus and you're like, man, if they find out that this is how I was before Jesus, I'm going down. Stop worrying about it. tells us in John's first epistle, not the gospel of John, but 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and it gets better, friends, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Last week we took communion. We were supposed to look at our neighbor with our communion 
and say, and be the hands and feet in Jesus to him and say, you are forgiven. God says you are forgiven and you are washed clean. Because if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Faithful and just. It is pure justice to forgive us. What God is doing is fulfilling all justice by forgiving us because He took the punishment and put it on His Son. The chastisement that was ours was laid upon His Son and He bore all of our iniquity on that cross, that beating that He took. Those spikes that went here and through His feet. That cat of nine tails that was used to whip him until he couldn't hardly move. That was your sin punishment. And it is finished. He's for gay men. Somebody, a couple people get it. Hallelujah should be the way we, when we think about what God has done, there should be a cheer. We should be excited. Your sins are not going to come back to bite you in the rear. So don't live in fear that they are. But you know what? You say, yeah, I'm not so, mad. I'm not so much worried about what I did before Jesus. I'm worried about the temptations I'm facing right now. Friends, He provides us strength to resist future sins or the sins that are in the present. It says this in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When a Christian tells me, I had no choice, I had to do it, I go, huh. Which, as I told you last week, is the technical term for poppycock. <laughs> there is no temptation that has overcome you that is not common to man. But when tempted, he will provide the way of escape. You may be standing there. Can, may I use you as kind of like a negative example, but I don't really believe it of you. Steve, you may be standing there and you may be looking and there may be a a temptation to have an affair with somebody and the only thing that pops in your mind is call my pastor. Dude, dial my phone. Dial it. I don't care what time it is. Dial it. He's not said that he's struggling with that at all. Okay? (laughs) Right? You may be sitting there. I had a friend of mine who's now the senior pastor of Crossroads Fellowship, the first church I planted. We were at Eternal CPR which is a a church growth and health seminar that we were going through. And he looks, it's so funny, he he raises his hand. And the instructor calls him and says, yeah, Larry. He goes, okay, man, okay. My issue is is not getting caught up in this stuff. But I want to know, how do I say no to the joint without offending the person? Because he sold building materials. And he'd go out on these construction sites and he'd walk up and the guys would be like, hey, man, you want to hit? 
They'd they'd stick a a joint out to it. And Larry was a pothead before he became a Christian. Smoked pot for the first couple years of his Christian walk too until the Lord finally cleaned it up in him. But Larry's like, how do I, how do I, how do I not, how do I say no to the joint? Because here's where I find myself smoking the joint because I don't know how to say no without getting some help or, you know, without being offensive. And we came up with some plans and you know what? It was really interesting. Larry would walk up on those job sites and there came a point where they stopped offering him pot, but they kept smoking in front of him, but they stopped offering him a hit because they knew he didn't want it anymore. But he came to this place where he learned that, you know what, I can't blame the fact that I put a joint to my lips and, a, and, I, and I take a big old hit off of it. I can't blame that on God not giving me a way out. God's provided me a way of escape. God has provided me a way of escape. How many times have you been getting ready to walk into a sin and there's this little voice in your head that says, don't do that, and gives you an idea on how to avoid doing it? Anybody ever have that happen that wants to be honest? I have cartoons friends are real sometimes they got the little devil and little angel sitting on the shoulder right and you got the little devil going come on come on jody right and then you got the little angel over there which is the voice of god jody don't do that don't do that you know that's wrong you're like well how am i going to get out of this and and these ideas pop in your head god will give you the strength to resist and to not fall I mean, some people are living their Christian life just waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's some of you who are living your Christian life just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You just know you're going to tank it, so why even try? My God promises. My God promises. He'll give you the strength. But what if the other shoe does drop, and what if you fall? No matter what we do, God will always love us and take us back. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 say this, For I am sure, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the book of Romans, Paul is saying, church, friends, no matter what happens, whether it's an earthly ruler, whether it's a corrupt administration, whether it's, a, whether it's a church that's reached out and hurt you, whether a pastor's been a turkey to you, whether your marriage falls apart, if you fall into some grievous, heinous sin, no matter what happens, not even angel of heaven, not even an angel of heaven can affect the love that God has for you. Nothing in all of creation. How much of creation does nothing in all of creation include? Does it include 100%? If it includes 100%, say 100%. Say it again. How much? Say it again loud. If you are a created being, raise your hand. You are part of creation. That means you can't separate you from God either. 
He will always love you. And he will always take you back if you come back and say, Jesus, take me back. Some of you might have been in failed relationships. Maybe, maybe you've been divorced and remarried, or, or maybe you never were married. Maybe it was a, a girl that you were planning on marrying or a guy that you were planning on marrying, and the relationship failed, and it's something you did that was a big problem. And you went and you said, I'm so sorry, would you take me back? And they said, no, you've hurt me, and I'm never taking you back. That's not how God is. Don't let what happened on this earth make you afraid to go back to your Father in heaven and say, Jesus, take me back. He'll take you back. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. This is what difference it makes. God will meet all our physical needs. Our past sins cannot come back to haunt us. He provides strength to resist future sins. And no matter what we do, even if we tank it, God will always love us and always take us back. And there's a lot more promises that I could go through. There's a lot more promises that I could go through. All of this rests upon the immutability of God. His unchanging nature. That's why this week's homework has to do with the immutability of God. Monday is James chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. Tuesday is Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. Wednesday, Psalm 102, verse 24 through 28. Thursday, Numbers 23, 18 through 24. Friday, Hebrews 7, 20 through 25. And Saturday, Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 15. I don't talk all the time about the homework, and I don't really explain it all the time in depth, but I want to explain it to you this week. There's a challenge that I want you to do this week when you read the homework. I want you to identify in the phrases, or excuse me, in the passages that you're reading, the phrases that say God will never change. They don't quite say them that way in all of them. Like Malachi one's pretty easy. It says, for I, the Lord your God, do not change. It's a pretty easy one. We start off easy. And then we get a little more complicated. We get a little more complicated as we go through. I think there's a ton of Christians in the world, but more importantly than the ones around the world, I think there are Christians who are sitting in this room right now, listening to their preacher rant and rave about this, who do not feel like they can trust in the unchanging nature of God. You have like this intellectual understanding, yeah, he's supposed to be unchanging, but it concerns me and I'm nervous about it. I'm scared about it because, because you don't know how bad I am. You don't know how bad I've messed things up, pastor. That's why I want to send you to God's word. And I don't want to stop at head knowledge. I want that head knowledge to become heart knowledge. It becomes more than just something that you intellectually understand that you begin to believe in in the core of your being and then eventually for that to become hand knowledge that is lived out in your actions. 
Friends, that's why I can, at this point in my walk with the Lord as a pastor, I can move forward with trying to grow the church numerically and put the chairs in and all that kind of stuff because I know my significance is not tied to that. I know my significance is not tied to it, nor is yours. I've come to understand this about God, that He's unchanging and that nothing I can do will have Him reject me, nor nothing I can do will make Him love me more. God doesn't love you because of what you do for Him. He loved you way before you ever did squat. Scripture says that. Scripture says that. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But what does it say right before that? He demonstrated His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we're going to add, we're going we're to not have an altar call today. But we're going to do a song that the church, I mean, some of you, a lot of you are going to know it. It's their lyrics curb. There's going to be lyrics sweet. That's one of the reasons I ran out because we we're like, oh, no, we forgot the lyrics. But um, we're going to do a song as a closing. We're going to do a song as a closing that reinforces this. And it's probably going to be a little faster. Than, you've heard the song, a lot of you have. It's going to be faster than what you've heard it before because it's supposed to be a celebration. If the, if the Spirit comes on you and you want to dance, dance. I so appreciate Bonnie. Because Bonnie's over here this morning signing, and we get to this musical interlude, and she turns and she looks over at Carol and I, and she's like, and then, then, then she's like, and it's awesome, Bonnie, it's awesome. And I know I'm busting you out, but it's, it's awesome. Look. Let me just tell you, God is celebrating when Bonnie is celebrating like that. Amen? I think everybody ought to, you know, this section over here, everybody ought to all learn sign language over here. You should. Then you've got the signs down. Now you can go out in the rest of the church and dance. They get to dance all the time, right? You can go out in the church and dance. But we're going to sing that song. But before we do, let's pray. Father, one thing remains. That's you. You are the unchanging one. You are immutable, Lord. Your essential character stays the same no matter what. We can't make you so mad that you say, get away from me. Lord, you are in love with us. And God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fall on this place. And that during this time of, of, of worship after the message, that people would extol your great love. That we would praise you. And we would worship you in spirit and in truth. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.